Welcome to The Black Mantle with your host, Scholar, as we discuss information technology, also known as IT. Technology has made a drastic impact on how humans interact with innovations. Here on The Black Mantle, we will discuss multiple topics on technology across many aspects of our lives. It's incredible how interconnected our society is and its ability to connect people and data in an infinite digital web. Our involvement is around the clock, even when we're asleep from our smartphones to our IoT devices. And that's Internet of Things for those unfamiliar with the acronym. But our culture has shifted to another dimension as more people want instant gratification. Looking back in your life, how has technology changed you? Evolution. I'm going to take a step back into the 90s and bring us up to current date of where we are right now in terms of technology. But I want to take a minute and I want you to just think of five things that you can remember from the 90s that you either used or you knew about or whatever you can think of that came out during that time. Just kind of think back just for a second. Because when I was thinking of this, the first thing that came to mind was AOL and the the disc that they used to have. You know, you have to have dial-up and you place a disc in the computer and they'd give you like 1,099 hours for free, at least for like 50 days. But you have to cancel, of course, you know, or they would charge you. But just seeing how we used to access the internet from putting a CD in the computer and it connecting and dialing through the dial-up service to AOL for us to get internet to now being able to access it on our devices. Other than the CDs from AOL, I can remember the Nintendo 64 and the Nintendo Game Boy. And the Nintendo 64, particularly for, uh, they had kind of a... a um, this weird shaped controller and the controller was very interesting because it didn't look like what game controllers look like today where you're able to hold like in your hand but it was kind of like it's almost shaped like a trident to be honest with you but it was um really cool because of the graphics that were in the games that you were playing especially like the super mario games um of course, all of them were different across the systems, but from, you know, looking at that and then looking back on the Nintendo Game Boy, which you have to have batteries. I mean, I can remember times where I would play that Game Boy so much that I would run out of batteries and didn't have batteries in the house. So I would have to wait, you know, the next day to mom or someone, you know, went to go pick up some batteries and, you know, you're constantly having to change them out compared to now kids and even grownups can play games, you know, 24-7, 365, if they could, by just plugging it into an outlet in, in the wall, just like you would, you know, with your Nintendo 64 and your regular Nintendo. But the Game Boy was very interesting because it was mobile and you can take it with you on trips and stuff just as long as you packed batteries before the uh, trip, which would give you about 10 hours of gameplay. And another thing that I remember seeing in school 
was these Japanese toys that was called Tamagotchis. And Tamagotchis were like these little egg-shaped um, things that you can fit on like your keychain. And it basically had three buttons on it. And the goal was to keep the digital pet on there alive. So you would press like the buttons and feed it. But I remember seeing those in school and, and people having them. Um, I never owned one, but I remember at least uh, playing with one that somebody, you know, had just to see what it was like. But looking back, you know, that was a very interesting concept because now people can play games from their phone and any other mobile device that they have. But just something that simple that came out during that time. Um, there was like at least over like 82 million of those uh, back in 2017 that have uh, pretty much have been sold. But that was very, 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 very interesting during that time. But when you looking at uh, that, just kind of think for a second, uh, if you have actually got an opportunity to look at those. I mean, right now, I still have a, like an AOL disc I have like right now sitting in front of me. And people were still trying to sell these things online. And honestly, some people have been buying them just to um, hold as like relics. But Nintendo 64, Game Boy, some people still have those, especially, you know, people who love to game. Now, Another thing that was very interesting to me, and a lot of people probably didn't even know that this existed, but Apple had a message pad that came out back in 1993. Now, I've never actually seen one, but when I was looking around, I wanted to find some things that we knew and then some things that we didn't know about. And this is one of the things that I think a lot of people didn't know about, but that particular Apple was very far ahead of its time with computers and its systems. But think about it, the Apple message pad and other companies try to mimic that, but it's very interesting how the iPad is out now. And it's like a hit. It's a, a seller. When you think of tablets, you think of iPads, not to say that other devices, other tablets out there are not good, which they are. I mean, I've used Android tablets, used Samsung tablets and, and, and they're great, but the iPad, and the Apple devices, people love them because they're user-friendly. And is Apple's ecosystem allows it to talk to all of its devices. But that was very interesting. I thought back in 93 that they had that idea. And then they brought it back up in the 2000s. But one of the last things um, that I had on my list for number five which we all should know about, probably have seen in hospitals, uh, probably seen in videos on TV, beepers. And some of you know them as pagers, but I want to say beepers. But I remember like my uncles like having these uh, beepers. And the thing was, of course, you know, somebody, you know, will call the number and then it'll beep and then you have to go find the phone pay phone or house phone and return that call back. And when you're looking from right now in 2020, looking back, people would think that was such a weird idea, but it really was not. 
because everybody wanted a beeper because it was one of the hottest things that was out there. But they're used a lot in the medical field. You know, doctors and everything still use them. But one interesting fact about uh, beepers or pagers is that there was about 130,000 pagers still in use as of 2019. I could not believe that. However, could you think of what the maintenance cost of those was? Almost about $200,000. But out of those well-known technologies that were created, you know, at least during that time, and during our childhood for some of the people that was born around that time, what would you say that stood out the most? Because when I look back at this, I will, I will honestly say that the beepers stood out the most because everybody wanted one. It was a fashion statement and that's great. But think about just the technology, how it was built. And for that time, it was futuristic in a sense. But looking back from 2020, back into the 90s, is considered retro to us. Now, outside of the initial technologies that we discussed from AOL to Nintendo 64 and the Game Boy, the Tamagotchi, the Apple Message Pad, and beepers, I wanted to kind of go a little bit further. And I wanted to know if anybody has ever heard of the term uh, POTS, P-O-T-S. And uh, for those of you that are in the telecommunication field or the IT field, uh, we know that that stands for a plain old telephone service, which was basically an analog service that we you know, use um, in what we call house phones back in the day. And um, one of the things I wanted to do was try to remember back in time using a house phone. And you can go online, and look at the history of, you know, plain old telephone service, house phones in your free time. But one interesting thing about that was the rotary phones. And I remember using those in some of the neighbor's house or my grandparents' house uh, because they had one. And you really had to get those numbers right. There was no illuminated keypad on it. You had to put your finger inside the little rotary dial and then you would twist it around to the numbers. And it took you a minute, you know, as opposed to right now, you just key in the number with your thumb and, you know, you can do it in about like three seconds. There was no three seconds dialing somebody uh, from a rotary style phone. But those phones, you know, transitioned to those, you know, larger uh, keypad phones with the 12 keys on them. And then you started seeing the illumination of the number so that you can see on the phone at night. But I remember specifically on those rotary phones, some people had them on the table, but I remember even some of the phones, people would have them on the wall in the kitchen. So if your parents were in there cooking or doing whatever, you know, that they're doing in the kitchen, you would have a long, almost a 60 foot cord, you know, wrapped around everything in the kitchen, tables and chairs, talking on the phone. And of course, you know, you have to stay within a certain area to talk on the phone. But looking at that house phone and then looking at the cordless phones, then looking at the mobile phones that we have now, there is definitely a significant difference because the only thing that's different is the cable is not there. The physical cable connecting the handset to the actual phone itself. 
But when we look at today's standards, could you see yourself using one right now? If I was to give you a rotary style phone right now, could you use it? Better yet, I remember I had went to a middle school and I was talking to students about technology and every single one of the kids in all classes that I went to, and it was a, mid, a middle school. So, you know, most of the kids didn't know too much about earlier forms of technology, but the first thing and first point that the children were able to recognize was the iPad and everything forward. Everything before the iPad that I showed them, like the old iMac, um, the cassette tapes. One kid actually thought that was a bar of soap, which is very interesting, but I didn't make fun of them. Like, I actually explained it to them. I actually brought in live actual devices and computers to show them how big technology was and then what it is right now. And they were so amazed that we used those kind of forms of technology back then. But I can honestly say if I had one, I would use it. But people rarely have house phones anymore. They rarely have them right now. But it does help to have a house phone, especially during during this uh, bad weather outside. You know, at least they will still work and don't have to rely too much on batteries. But when you're looking at the house phones, I want you to think back of your expression that you had on your face when you received your first cell phone. Because when I think about it, I was almost in college before I even had a cell phone. And at that time, you know, you had the um, these uh, these little green cars that you can buy at Walmart and for like 100 minutes. And that didn't include texting. And I'm talking about from those old Nokia, blue Nokia phones. We all know what those are. So don't act like you don't know what it is. But those phones allowed you to be able to at least make a short call. And the people who called you, you had to get straight to the point. There wasn't any, you know, stay on the phone for two or three hours. No, you had to get straight to the point of what you was calling for and tell them you'll give them a call back and you'll meet up with them later. But from that, and then looking at the cell phones that we have, we can take out our phones and pretty much video chat somebody while we're in the stores or right on the road trip or having hotspots through our phone. See, the technology there has changed between those devices. So we start in one place and then we ended up in a totally different uh, part of history there. But when you're looking at the cell phones or the house phones and then transitioning to the cell phones, how did you feel about moving from a house phone to a cell phone? Because some people still have actually have both devices and that's fine. But it took us to a point where we're able to have mobility and moving around as we're talking on our phones, as we're surfing the internet on our mobile devices, we're able to walk around and not be in one spot. I remember when I had to call friends uh, when I was in school, I would have, you know, I left school and I would go home and make sure nobody was on the phone. And I would, you know, make calls to friends and family. And then when you got done, you know, you went outside and played. But there wasn't a time where, uh, where, uh, where kids had cell phones back in those days. You know? And so when you look at what you have right now compared to what you had back then, 
it is a significant difference. So looking back from having a house phone to now having a cell phone, think about what your transition was during that time. We're going to take a break for a moment and we'll be right back. Welcome back to our show. I want to take a moment to ask a question about if any of you remember the 12 CD club or a similar CD club back in the day where you was, uh, could purchase a few CDs for like pennies. And when you're thinking about that, Compare that to right now, how we stream music. So for what we used to do in paying pennies for a CD and then paying shipping costs, you could have paid for a one month subscription right now to one of the platforms like Apple Music or Spotify to listen to music. But when you're thinking about that, can you think of one of the first songs that you remember playing on a CD player? Because when I think about it, I'm thinking about uh, Boys to Men, you know, the um, kind of the blue CD that had the Roman numeral uh, number of two on it. And that was a pretty good CD, by the way. But I remember playing that in the room and I could almost like memorize the whole album. Like I can literally like right now remember majority of those songs on the album word for word because I would just listen to it over and over and over and over again. I mean, I remember... Actually, when I first heard that CD, I was actually traveling through Washington, D.C. with my grandparents, going to visit family. But I remember the um, a couple of songs off of there. But when you're looking at, you know, these CDs, we were able to skip through and find the track to the exact song that we want versus right now, you can set up a playlist of like hundreds of songs to play specific songs on that particular album that you want. So like, you know, now if I'm outside cutting the grass or something, I'll just put in my, my AirPods and I'll listen to my music and I have a set album on there. Could you imagine doing something like riding a bike or jogging? And then having to make a CD and physically find the songs that you want to put on it. Because that'll be a pretty hard task to do. But when you think about that, could you picture receiving an offer right now today for the same price? Would you take it? If one of those companies offered you a chance to get so many CDs for a few cents, would you take it? Because I would think a lot of people would probably go and purchase a subscription from one of the streaming platforms versus the CDs. But I also know some people who would take advantage of that offer because it looks like a good deal and it's free. So in order to understand where we are with today's world and how technology has changed the way that we listen from 
CDs to listen to, to uh, streaming music online, it has changed significantly. So we have these options like Spotify and Apple Music. I mean, I can pretty much walk into my office right now and just say a phrase to a smart speaker and it starts playing music. I don't have to fumble around with, you know, a CD player and put in the CD and that CD. But now in my vehicle, you know, I can still play CDs. I mean, it has a six CD changer in there. And I've got CDs in there right now. Listen to it. I'm not knocking it. But I appreciate from the technology that we used to have and the way we used it, it was good for us at that time. It was, it was advanced for us at that time. Compared to right now, the convenience of being able to play any song you want at any given time of the day and not have to carry anything physically around with you except for a charger cable to plug in the USB port in your car. So where we were used to carry batteries and put them in CD players or Walkmans that we used to walk around the block and exercise, we now carry around a charging cable. I guarantee you nine times out of 10, anybody that has a mobile phone that's listening to music in their car right now has a charger specifically for their car that they leave in their vehicle. Because the last thing you want is to have a dead phone or lose a charge and then you can't hear your music. Then on top of that, some people may even have headphones in their ear, like, you know, AirPods or the Samsung earbuds. You got to have a charger just as you would have had to have like batteries. But I'm saying that to say that with music previously being on CDs, how has your appreciation changed since it's readily available now via the web? In other words, since you're able to go online right now and access services like Spotify and Apple Music, how has that changed the way that you view music? Because I will also ask people, would you rather carry around a CD book and manually insert the CD in your car to listen to music, or would you use a mobile device via Bluetooth? Now, I know people who would answer a yes on both sides of, the, of that specific question, because there's nothing wrong with CDs. It's just, as we progress in life, technology is going to change. Technology changes every day. So what you see today, just know tomorrow something's gonna replace it and something's gonna be different. It's gonna be, you know, a little bit better. When you look at the iPhones, for instance, I remember the first iPhone when I seen that in one of my IT classes in uh, college, um, a lady in school had one and I didn't know what it was, you know, at first, because of course, you know, it was completely like, you know, black on the front, didn't have the buttons because the phone that I had, you know, had buttons on it. It was like a Nokia E E62 kind of almost looked like a Blackberry, but it was a Nokia, uh, you know, phone, of course. Had the little uh, trackpad in the middle. Had the full uh, key keyboards, you know, so you can type. But I remember having that phone. And uh, a couple of other people had Nokia phones. But there was a lady um, who was in my IT class, and she brought in this iPhone, and I didn't know what it was. And I asked her, you know, hey, you know, is is that the new, you know, phone that everybody's talking about? She's like, yeah. She said, like, you want to, you know, try it out? So I, I looked at it 
And I remember looking at the camera and it was neat how the camera had kind of twisted and almost like a, um, like a pinwheel. But when I was looking at that and just looking at that phone and comparing it to right now what the iPhones are like, which they are larger and almost twice the size of the Galaxy Notes. But I'm saying that to say that mobile devices and technology, CD players and, you know, to streaming music on the web, everything is, has transitioned to something newer. So what was new for us at that time, it made sense to us. And right now, things have been upgraded and it's been changed to make it better. So when you're looking at this, and I want you to ask yourself, you know, what do you remember about these, you know, these CD clubs? Would you still take that offer right now if somebody offered it to you? And what do you appreciate about having a mobile device right now and being able to listen to your music at any time, any place, anywhere? Paper and pen versus smart devices. Let's take a moment to think about that. When was the last time that you wrote a letter to someone? I can't remember when I last wrote a letter, but I can remember yesterday, I remember writing some information down with the pen and on paper because I wanted to collect my thoughts and I wanted to write just because I wanted to. And even though I'm a avid user of technology and I love technology and that's my profession, I still take time to write notes. And a lot of people will look at that and may think it's weird, but it's not. Because that gives you the ability to practice and to know that you still have this skill, especially when it comes to penmanship. But when I ask people that question, I'm not being funny with it, but I just want to just give people the ability to think critically and reflect back and look at when was the actual time that they wrote a letter. Because we're in a society right now where we have to type everything. We type our text messages, we type emails, everything is electronic. I remember back in high school, we would write letters in school and put letters, you know, in lockers. And that was our way of communicating. We didn't have text messages where we could send texts to people that we wanted to talk to. We had to actually write. And the thing about it is you better hope that you were able to spell because you didn't have auto text or service like Grammarly back then to correct your spelling. But whoever that you was giving that letter to, you better hope that they can read your writing and you better hope that you were able to actually write effectively so someone can actually understand what you were writing. But sometimes we have to go back to that skill and, you know, we have to learn that skill over again. And even though we're in a technological age where everything is electronic, we still need to learn how to write. But on top of that, can anybody tell me what the price of a stamp is right now? 
because if you haven't written a letter in a long time or mailed anything, uh, you know, most people email or they send stuff, you know, online or an electronic version of it. But when you're looking at that, um, I couldn't even tell you what the price of a stamp is now because it's been, it's been a while for me as well. But I'm saying that to say some things, you know, we have forgotten about, but they still exist. I mean, some people still pay bills through mail, so they will go buy a book of stamps. But it's nothing wrong with using that form of writing and that form of technology. But right now, we have new and innovative ways of sending messages. As I stated a few moments ago, we can send messages, you know, through FaceTime. We can send messages through Google Duo. We can send messages through text messaging. We can send messages, you know, through the phone. But very rarely I've seen people or have heard people actually leave voicemails. So not only are we not writing anymore, we're not leaving voicemails. Why? Because we could actually send a text message and it still has the same effect. But I want to take a look at that because can you imagine waiting a few days or hours or weeks to get a reply? So imagine if you're in New York and you have a family member in California and say it's a Monday you write a letter at home you put it in the envelope you take it to the postal office you buy a stamp they mail it you come back home and you wait for that reply how many people right now how many of you right now could honestly wait to receive a reply back from the person that you send in that letter to I'm willing to bet not too many of us can wait that long because once again, we live in a society where we want things instant and we want them right now. And on top of that, if you notice in your text messaging, especially on um, your uh, on the Apple iPhones, but now on Android, the text messages have gotten smart and the technology has changed within them because when you send a person a message, you can tell when that person has read it. And then you can also tell when that person is about to reply in their typing. And what frustrates people is the person who received the message, they may have just opened the dialog box up and have the cursor blinking in there and not typing anything. And on your end, you're seeing the blinking dots. It's like they're typing a long message back and they text back, okay. So now you're frustrated because you wanted to know what they were going to say instead of waiting patiently for that message to come through. So when you're looking at that, look how comfortable we feel right now of knowing when we're going to get a reply versus waiting on a reply. Because I remember sending letters to my dad overseas and him sending letters back and it would take like weeks and now no matter where I am my dad can give me a call do a video chat and we can talk face to face so I can get an instant reply and either way is fine to me I mean I'm not like in a rush but for some things 
I, I, I totally get it. You know, you can wait for it. You know, it's fine. But in case of an emergency, I definitely understand how it's definitely helpful, especially in the technological age that we live in, because you want that instant message right then and there and right now. So when we look back on these things, let's just reflect on how would or do you think that the world would be without the technological advancement of cell phones? Because when we're going from paper and pen to these smart devices, we were able to actually have conversation with people back in time. Remember, you would hang out with your friends or you go walking around the block and you all were actively engaging conversation with each other versus right now having a conversation with people and their face is in their phones. So we have to get back into the art of communicating and not just through text messaging people. We have to get back in the art of communicating by actually talking to each other because it really helps out a lot. I mean, even, you know, if, if I'm a, around friends, I try not to be on the phone unless it's something extremely important, but I want to give my undivided attention to the person that I'm talking to. Even when I have guests over, we actively sit at the table and talk. We don't turn on the TV or watch TV together. I mean, you can do that at home, but I like to engage in conversation to talk about different things because it helps people. It helps stimulate their brain. It helps them, you know, work on communication. So my question to you is, how did you feel when you sent your first text message? And do you remember what you sent? Because when I think back on, on that, I mean, I remember, you know, I received text messages, um, you know, from, you know, family and friends. I don't remember the exact wording that was used in the first text message I received, but I do remember it used to cost some money to send because AT&T used to charge you for it. I remember that. But right now, we can send an unlimited amount of messages. I mean, for a family plan, I mean, back, what, probably in, I'll say 2009 to 2012, you can have a family plan of unlimited text messages for like $30. So when we're looking at that, we want to just appreciate where we are with technology. So once again, how do you think that the world would be without the technological advancement of cell phones? The evolution of technology and our past experiences allowed us to compare our simplistic lifestyle to modern day technological innovations. From house phones to smart devices, we have made progress in how fast we can complete a task. Reflecting back on retro technology and making a comparison to what we have at our fingertips today shows us how far we've made it. I can only imagine what's next.